Hey there, welcome to the Product Hive Podcast. On this episode, we're bringing you the presentation from our April UX event, where you'll hear from Brian Collier. Brian is currently the creative director of Jump, the online visibility and engagement platform for local businesses. In Brian's talk, you'll learn how brand can align with marketing and product to create a cohesive customer journey. A big thanks to Jump and STG Consulting for hosting this meetup. And finally, be sure to join our community on Slack, where there's always lots of great conversation happening around UX, product management, and more. You can get an invite to our Slack group and find more information about Product Hive at ProductHive.org. So now, let's hear Brian's talk, Creating a Filter. jump right into it. Yeah, so my name is Brian Collier. Uh, for those of you who know me, and uh, I don't have a conditional identity either, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm still Brian. <laughs> and uh, I'm the creative director here at Jump, and it's been uh, a really great experience so far. Uh, super fun. What I'd like by the end of this presentation for you to get out of it is information and insights to help you go forward and help align your teams within your companies, specifically between marketing and product. And also understand uh, some key insights into how to create a cohesive experience for your customer journey. I know some of you are from marketing already. I've met a few of you. Some of you are from product. Um, some of you might not even be from those two teams. And I think this still applies to you because these are principles that... Um, that really go beyond just those, those two teams and the, the synergy between them that we want. So a filter. This is my personal filter. This is my wife, Amanda. She's beautiful. Uh, we've been married for almost eight years now in June. My two daughters, Savannah on the bottom, she's five, and Adelaide, who is two. She just turned two. And before they were even in my life, I was thinking about them. I was planning for them. And they, they really became my filter when making decisions and coming, uh, coming to forks in the road and having to choose a path in my life. So, oh, I've got a clicker. Yes. All right. So you can't have a filter without a set of values as well. And this is what I value in life. I know each of you have your own personal filters and your set of values that help you in your decisions. But for me, I wanna be happy. And that isn't just happiness for me, but happiness for my children, happiness for my wife, and happiness for as many people around me as I can affect. I wanna be authentic as well. I value being myself. And part of that is being artistic, getting to take the talents and abilities that uh, I've been able to develop over the years and have that in a career. Quality of life, I typically look at that as uh, resources. It could be financial, so that I can give my family uh, the things that they deserve and that they want. And also time. I, I really like work-life balance. And I like how we have a shameless plug here. We call it uh, Big Corn, which is really just uh, open vacation policy. So I really enjoy that because I care about my family. I care about being able to grow 
and being able to become because I don't want to be the same person I was a year ago. I want to be somebody different in a year. So a few ways that my family has been my filter, even before I met them, these two pictures exemplify that. On the left, you'll see a, a studio with an artist who is painting. And you see she's surrounded by uh, examples of self-expression. And on the right, you see a very stereotypical design studio that's stark, it's white, it's minimal, it's contemporary. And as I was deciding which path to go in my life, I, I had been on the left side my whole life. I drew, I painted, and I thought, how can I support myself as I get older? How can I support a family? And I, I applied to BYU. I really didn't know their design program, how good it was. I didn't understand what they really offered, but I wanted to make sure that I uh, had some opportunities. So I applied to both the graphic design track and the studio art. And with some help of uh, mentors, I was able to choose the studio track, the graphic design route. I thought, well, she she's surrounded by all of her artwork because she can't sell it. And th this one is blank because they sold all of their designs. <laughs> so I want to go to the right. That seemed like a pragmatic approach to me at the time. And I, I am really glad that I went that route. I still think you can do this. And I still like to do that. So fast forward a few years. I'm now married. I have a child. I went on a, an internship in New York for Johnson & Johnson, working on uh, the Neutrogena brand. And it was time to graduate. And I came to a path. I came to a fork in my path, and I had to choose. So thinking about my filter, my set of values, I felt that for me, personally, New York City, though a design hub of the world, wasn't great for me, personally, or my family. I had seen looks of people on the subway when my wife and child came out to visit during those three months of how they looked at a baby. It was like a novelty. Uh, I, I didn't want to really experience that all the time. So we chose the right. Um, I actually wasn't uh, planning that one. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, we decided to stay in Utah. My network was already starting to build, and it seemed like it would really benefit us. So like I said, I know you guys have personal filters too, and a set of values. If you think about it for a minute, um, I want you to identify some of those in your mind. Maybe look back in time just a little bit, and think of how you got to where you are. What were you valuing in your life to make the decisions that you have? And perhaps if you don't know, just dig a little deeper. They are there because I know you all value something. So imagine a life without filters now. I'm pretty sure we can all do that pretty easily. I've made lots of bad decisions in my life. Even though I had a filter, maybe I didn't apply it very well. Now let's imagine a company without filters. That's pretty hard to do, right? No, I'm just kidding. Companies all the time don't have filters. And if they do, they may not be communicated very well. They might not be clear enough. They might not exist at all. 
in my past, these are some of the issues that have come up when companies lack filters. I won't name specific names. I've worked at a few places, but I've experienced these where from the top you have a lack of leadership, most likely because they don't have a clear vision. And if they do have a clear vision, like I said, there's probably a lack of communication if it's not coming down and being communicated to all the teams. That can introduce a, a lack of role clarity. I've been in meetings before where the person who is the loudest wins. And it really doesn't matter, even if you feel you are right, if you get outspoken or if somebody is louder than you, they win. And they may just have an opinion. They may not even have any data to back their decisions up. That ultimately can lead to a product becoming a reaction. And when products become reactions, you lose, for one, product market fit. You also lose valuable time that teams need to think proactively. And, uh, and also the time that teams need to really plan ahead and be innovative. So this, this is what happens when companies don't have a filter, don't have a common vision that's communicated and integrated into all of the teams. Eventually, internal dissonance will be reflected externally. There, there's no getting around that. And I think we all can see that. Companies that are really successful typically have good cultures. They have a vision that everybody's aligned to. Companies that don't, it's, it's not that hard to, to spot them. So what is the opposite of dissonance? It's, it's harmony. And what, uh, what can provide that harmony? So let's talk about the, or the, the difference between consistency versus cohesion. So consistency is essential. Both of these are essential. I'm not excluding either. Consistency, however, is short-sighted. Let's take, for example, a UI component guide. You want to be consistent with your interface components like button styles and H1s, H2s, H3s, because consistency breeds predictability, and predictability breeds dependability. And when you can depend on something, you start to trust it. So again, that is essential but it's not taking the whole picture into account. Cohesion or coherence, however, does. It accounts for the big picture. It answers the question, does it belong, instead of does it look the same? <coughs> and when I think about my own personal life and you think about yours, do you want your past year to look the same as your next year? Or do you want to grow? Do you want to learn new things? Do you want to apply your vision and achieve your goals? It's no different in companies or groups or any, any organization. We want those same things. So cohesion is how we can create that harmony. Now, any Seinfeld fan, fans in here? Yeah? Yeah, me too. I'm going through it for, I think, like the third time now, going through all the episodes. I recently came across the episode where George meets Susan. George really can't keep many people in his life. And I, I found out why. It's because he lacks a filter. See, he's divided his life into separate realms. And 
He has relationship George, and he has independent George. And if ever the two come in contact with each other, an explosion occurs. Therefore, a George divided against itself cannot stand. <laughs> Same with an organization. I mean, he took that from Abe Lincoln, right? It's a lot funnier when he says it, but it's the same principle. <laughs> so what can provide that cohesion for products and for companies? The answer is brand. Branding can provide that cohesion. So brand is the promise. It's the big idea. It's the expectations that reside in each customer's mind about a product, a company, or service. Branding is about making an emotional connection. I put that in bold because that's the important part here. Branding is about making an emotional connection. So here are some of the most well-known logos in all the world. What do they mean? They mean money, yeah. They mean money because they spent a lot of money to have that meaning. Well, let's go through for example. Up here, I think we all know, top left, what that one is. But it really doesn't mean anything. That mark alone means nothing. It's just a check mark with a curve. It's fat in the middle, and it tapers towards the end. That top middle one, obviously I know what that means. <laughs> but it's just three dots, one bigger than the other two. It's meaningless. Apple, that looks like an apple. Kind of looks like maybe a solar eclipse of an apple about to happen. Two red dots and a word. Oh, guys, I don't know if you've ever seen this before. Have you guys ever seen this arrow? I'm just kidding. Everybody knows that. Okay. I don't want you to question my, uh, uh, like, oh, yeah, I just learned that yesterday. No. Um, my dad worked for FedEx, so I threw that up here in honor of him. It was, a, it was a logo throughout my life. The only reason these, these marks have any meaning at all is because we have given it meaning. They only have the meaning we give it. So, yes, I bought annual passes to Three Dot Land last year. It went quite a few times. I love it. But when I see that, I feel something. I feel magic. I feel my wallet being drained. <laughs> Uh, when I look at that swoosh, I wouldn't even call it a swoosh before Nike. It just looks like a check mark, but they told me it's a swoosh, and now it means something. The target symbol, I mean, that, their brand promise is ex expect more, pay less. FedEx, when I think of that emotion, I think of competence. My boss, they had an old commercial too. My boss comes in. Uh, well, in the commercial, the boss comes in and says, I need this on my desk by tomorrow. And they know exactly where to go, FedEx. They promise overnight delivery. They promise competence. That's the emotion that they want to elicit through their messaging and through their experience. So how do we take the power that these brands have and start applying it to, to us? Uh, we're... we're Technically, still a startup. We're pretty small. I assume many of you are working for startups, but there are different stages. Either way, how do we take the power of these brands 
and boil it down into something that, that applies to us? How can we start to get that power? Well, many of you guys have probably heard of the pirate approach. I really don't see how that's like a pirate, but um, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah, so, so these are metrics that if, if applied and implemented, help us grow our, our startups. So this is also a map of a customer's journey. Acquisition answers the question of how will customers find us? Activation is how quickly, once they find us and start using the product, how, can, how fast can they have an aha moment and start getting that hook? The retention, how do we keep the people that we have? Uh, referral, how do we try to get new customers and revenue? Obviously, how do we make more money? How do we fit brand into this? Remember, brand is that filter, right? We'll get to that in just a sec. The, let, let's dive a little bit deeper into one of these. Let's go into the, um, someone called acquisition flow. These are touch points that customers experience along the way. So a customer probably before this sees an ad, they might go to a landing page, they then go to the website, they then fill out an email form, they get an email inviting them to attend a webinar, then they get a call from a salesperson, and hopefully after all that, they, they turn into a customer. But before these, these happen, how are you deciding what goes on that website? How are you deciding what shows up in the email? How are you deciding what shows up in the ad, the landing page? What does that sales call sound like? That conversation, that verbal conversation, maybe with no visual cues at all. What does that look like and how can they be cohesive? Those in marketing, I'm sure, are very aware that if you have dissonance between your ad and your landing page, you have a weaker uh, quality score for Google or a, a weaker relevance score for Facebook. And that equals money in the end. Uh, I'll even show you an exact amount of money, for example, that we've used at Jump in our efforts to just give you an idea of, of what that means when you don't have cohesion between these touch points. So how does brand fit into this? So instead of R, let's think of it as bar. So let's add brand at the beginning. Now brand, I think, is specifically tied to each of these letters but you could also equate brand with awareness. It is that filter that you start to look at these touch points through to, to build that cohesion. And brand answers the question, what do we want the customer to believe? If I were to relate this to marketing and product on a spectrum, on the left side being marketing, product on the right, I would say the handoff is right here in activation. Now, I understand there are lots of teams taking part in this whole journey. CS, for example, is also in charge of activation. Product is in charge of onboarding and creating a, a seamless onboarding experience. And brand, again, equating that with awareness, getting people to believe something and know who you are, know what you're trying to say, uh, and then leading that through 
to product. If you look at the different types of design that are typical for marketing to product, this is how I would relate that. Marketing is typically thought of as imaginative design. You can get pretty crazy with your ads. You can get very experimental. You can start testing them very quickly. Again, you want people to believe in something. You want to promise them something. And in product, many times it's thought of very utilitarian. What do you want the, the customer to do? So marketing, what do you want them to believe? Product, what do you want them to do? And that way, you can create a, a cohesive experience and deliver on your brand promise by being a product-led company. So what does this filter look like? How do we actually create this filter? We've talked about so far the importance of filters, but what does a filter look like and how do we create it? When I first came to Jump, I was tasked with creating a brand promise. Like, what is our brand promise? We know we want to be a product-led company that fulfills on its brand promise, but what is that promise? In order to do that, I had to do some homework, take a step back, and before just applying paint to things and picking a typeface and doing all those things that a graphic designer would do, I had to understand what we were trying to say or our strategy. I had to understand how we were trying to say that or our personality. And then I actually had to say it and develop the brand by identifying high impact touch points along the customer's journey and prioritizing those. So first, we focus on what to say. For us, this is gonna be a case study of Jump, of what we've been able to do here so far. And then I'll share with you a little bit how, how it applies and some key takeaways. And I think this also, keep in mind too, that th this could lead to some great thoughts that I know you guys are gonna have that we can share at the end in the Q&A. So for us, this is setting the stage. Uh, Jeff said that we, we serve local businesses, small businesses. And trust in business is at an all-time low. I think we can probably feel that too when we think of people that we want to interact with in business. We are a little choosier today. In fact, that bottom line research that prospects conduct is at an all-time high because our trust is at an all-time low. Peers have become the new experts, which is why reviews matter so much. And also, Facebook and Google are becoming a very crowded space. And because of that, people, they are still going there, but they are looking for more authentic connections between companies, businesses, and the people interacting with them. Why is the trust in business so low? It's because those connections are treated very transactionally. Transaction relationships or connections focus on on the company giving the message and not really in the customer's best interest. It objectifies them and it dehumanizes them. They become numbers. But behind those numbers are people. We understood that transactional had to move to relationship-based, which takes into account the emotion that we're trying to get out of people, that emotional connection. We also knew, looking at this current perspective of small businesses and their marketing efforts, 
we understood that most of their marketing efforts were towards prospects or getting people in the door. However, their operational efforts were very much towards once people are in the door, let's keep them in the door. They're, they weren't marketed to. That mindset wasn't quite there yet. So we knew that the new mindset had to be that prospects equals customers. You treat your prospects as customers and you treat your customers as prospects. And your marketing efforts become your operational efforts and your operational efforts become your marketing efforts. Now this is an illustration to, to help us understand how this could work. I actually stole this from HubSpot. So if, you, if you've seen HubSpot and their, their marketing content, it's really good. And I thought that this was a very interesting idea. Typically we understand the sales funnel as just that, a funnel. You put a lot in at the top, it gets weeded out, leads get qualified, a few get closed. What this does is it kills the momentum that they were going on down that path from touch point to touch point. It also doesn't address the new customer. However, the flywheel, starting at the center, you find leads, they become suspects, they turn into prospects through qualification, they become opportunities, they become new customers. Those new customers now are treated as, as uh, suspects, again, as prospects. Again, through opportunities, they become advocates. You build that momentum, it creates less friction, it changes our mindset into thinking about the customer journey, and your advocates become your marketing team through referrals and, and other ways. So again, we're, we're still trying to figure out how to implement this flywheel in our company, but I think we're on the right track in thinking this way. For Jump, this is where we are currently in this radar graph. We are very functionally marketing, meaning uh, we help, we help uh, small businesses get found through listings, through uh, directories online, showing up consistently across multiple directories. We help them stand out through reviews and we help them stay top of mind through social media management. So that's very marketing driven. Operational, less in functionality, more in day-to-day -day usage of the product. We are not a payment processor. We are not a web website optimizer. Also on this spectrum, entity focus versus human focus. In the past, we were using a, a scale that had enterprise to SMB. I thought, how about we just group those and say, those are entities. And let's not be entity focused, but let's focus on the human, the individual behind these interactions and behind the connections. And again, we're a platform, not point solution, which means we have lots of different tasks that you can do on our, on our software. I think in branding, it's just as important to define who you are just as much as it is to define who, who you are not. And we are not business to business focused. We are not business to consumer focused. We are human to human focused. We are H to H. We are, again, focused on the owner. We are an online visibility optimizer. We're not SEO gurus. So we're in that space of non-traditional online presence meaning what happens when people search for you locally? Do you show up? 
Are you relevant? Are you accurate? Do you become the obvious choice? So that eventually boils down into our purpose, the three P's of brand, purpose, position, and promise. So why do we exist, our purpose? We connect people with local business. That is at the top level. That can trickle down and affect our, our filter as we look at all the touch points along the customer's journey. What is our position? We are the online visibility and engagement platform for owners. Those owners can be the founders of the business. They could be the designated marketer, which is one of our product personas. And ultimately, what are we trying to promise? So finally, after all that research, we can boil it down to this. Again, remember that it is an emotion. So what is the emotion that we can connect? We didn't want to connect actual results, one that's difficult. As we serve local businesses, we serve a variety of different industries. For example, we have therapists who use our platform. And imagine going to a therapist and saying, hey, I'm going to leave a review. Wow, that therapy session was pretty awesome. I now don't have any problems. Um, there's confidentiality agreements that have to be considered, right? So the variety of results that we want to promise make it very difficult. But branding is an emotional connection. So what is that emotion? Our emotion is confidence. We can promise confidence, if nothing else. Confidently reach and engage with customers in a digital world. That last part is really important because in a digital world to a small business owner can be very large. It's full of big dogs fighting for territory. It can engender fear. It uh, can easily make a, a business owner feel left behind because it's always changing. So what is the emotion that we can combat, combat that with? It's confidence. This sounds like confidence to me. You can read these if you want. I'll just talk about the, the far right one. My fiance was able to get a five-star rating with 33 reviews in two hours time. Tell me if that doesn't sound like confidence, right? That sounds like confidence. Jason McKay now can compete with the big dogs, even though he might not look like a big dog in terms of business size or revenue. This to me, this says confidence. This is what we're promising. How to say it. This is our brand personality. H have you guys ever seen the, uh, the Kickstarter campaign called Brand <coughs> Deck? It's a, it's a deck of cards, and there are four, uh, four columns in it, four cards that act as columns as you categorize uh, brand attributes. One is you are. You are not, you are torn, meaning you don't know what you are, decide later, and does not apply. So I bought this deck and, play, and did an activity with quite a few people. On the other cards is an adjective, and on the opposite is the opposite of that adjective. So we went through, we, we played this game with all the executive team, a lot of the business leaders, and had a lot of fun doing it. You can interpret the adjectives in different ways, but it's a great tool 
Uh, it's $25, by the way, so if you guys ever want to buy that, uh, to help you find your attributes, your personality. Because not only is it important to say what you're saying, figure that out, but also how to say it. Because there are a lot of companies that aren't differentiated in what they're saying, but you can be unique in the way that you say it. And I think right now, we can be, jump can be more unique in the way that we say it, and with time, we can become more unique in what we are saying. So this is, a, this is an interesting um, graph that you guys can, you can have a lot of these types of graphs. Basically, you put your attributes opposite on one axis. On the other axis, you have opposites. You show where you are, and I also put our competitors' logos around this. I didn't quite want to show that, but. And then you can show where you compare to everybody and where the opportunity is to go. So right now, I think our brand has been very expected and safe. It's trying to be emotional. It's trying to be somewhat bold, you know, modern. But I think it can be more emotionally driven and more cutting edge. So what are those words that we chose? There are a lot of them, but we bucketed them into three categories. We are passionate, we are true, we are personable. And these three categories are meant to act as checks and balances. Think of your own personalities. You probably have lots of facets uh, to your personality and you don't always show one side all the time. So you wanna create a checks and balances system with your personality <laughs> traits and every time you look at a touch point, this becomes another filter. You say, is this passionate? Does this represent passion and vibrance? Does it represent true and personable? Whatever your attributes are, ask those same questions. This is, looks like a terrible slide because there's so many words on it. And as a designer, I, you know, I apologize for that. But this is just a brain dump of creative ways that you can express what I've just shared with you. The promise, the position, the, the purpose. Big online confidence. Own it online. You're used to owning it in real life. Own it online. For the love of Google, get more reviews. Seriously, if you want Google to love you, you need more reviews. So for the love of Google, get more reviews and do it with Jump. Your marketing team and your customers, they're one and the same. Again, looking at that, that flywheel, it, it addresses, that, that mindset addresses new customers in an approach to turn them into advocates. So that's gonna be key in, in more of our brand, the idea of advocating. All right, so saying it. This is where we've been. This is a fun exercise to kind of put everything together, see where we've been, what kind of assets have we been using? What kind of language are we using? What's our tone? What's our voice? How are we presenting ourselves? And you can see, I, I tried to outline the customer journey based on the funnel and the efforts that we're using to have those micro conversions. For AdWords, Facebook ads, Bing, all those ads, you'll see those on the left. Landing pages and websites, you'll see those in the middle. You'll see emails, which, Yes, they got sent out and 
we might not be proud of that, but that's okay. That's our history. So you got you to gotta start somewhere, right? And now it's, it's time to grow up. It's time to get that vision and align everybody to it so that you can create that cohesion and get that power in your brand that we know we all need. All right, so I think the next slide is a reveal. All right, so this is our new logo. We've rebranded everything. Nothing is the same, and it's for good reason. So this, this word mark, again, going to an advocate concept, when you think of an advocate and turning a customer into an advocate, you, you typically sign something. You put your name on something. And when you leave a review, yeah, you're definitely putting your name on something. And that's ultimately what we're trying to get for our customers. We know that they need new customers. We know that they need return customers. They need advocates. And our platform provides a lot of marketing tools to help connect with those people and create that emotional connection, that relationship, which then can turn them into a marketing team themselves and advocates. So when I think of a, a, a signature, there's, there's that organic movement. There's those loops, right? And then you tighten it up, and through hundreds of iterations, literally hundreds of iterations, you get to something like this that says tech, and it also says a human touched that. And also, I, I, I just have to say how exciting this actually is. So uh, we, we found a really cool typeface. It's called Walt, as in Walt Disney, because some of these letter forms are influenced by the Disney wordmark. So yeah, there's, there's a little bit of that in there too. When you shorten the system and only use the J, you get something like this. You get that loop. And this is great for use on, on small you know, social media, profile pictures, anything like that. When I look at color, here's how I take the filter that we've created and look at color. I say, okay, we're passionate. A synonym for passionate is zest. And when I looked up the meaning for zest in Latin, it means uh, lemon and orange peel. So I said, ooh, okay, there's something there. Let's get some yellows and oranges in there. Let's get that warm, vibrant color. So you'll see we have a balance of warm colors. And then that true characteristic, that's where we get that midnight blue. It grounds us. So that one personality trait doesn't say too much all the time. You have to pace it. And then you have some other cooler colors in there to balance it out. We don't use the whole array all at once. You use them in spurts. When it comes to typography, I use the same filter. I think passionate. There's a lot of energy behind that. There's a lot of bold uh, behind that, vibrance. I've picked a typeface that exhibited a lot of that. It had energy, this extended typeface named Nimbus Sans, for any of you type geeks out there. We can talk later if you want, because I'm a typophile. <laughs> Uh, so that's how we achieve the, the passionate side through type. Then in the body copy, we chose a serif, which typically feels a little more traditional, but it grounds us. 
That's the true and the personal side, personable side. Here you see things start to come together. Uh, this is called a style tile. We stole that idea from Asana. It's really fun. It, it kind of looks like a website. And websites are actually great places to start your brand to, to experiment because they have a little bit of everything. They've got typography, color, illustration style, photography, uh, icons, UI elements, stuff like that. So that's where we started. And you'll see this motif of the loop come through. It's all hand-drawn because we want that human touch. We are human to human. You see the states, they're circled. A hover, like a hand, it's drawn. You see the icons, they're also hand-drawn. Learn more over there. And you see how the type starts to work. You see this concept come through. You see more pages. Their branding is about creating a toolkit of elements that you can use in different scenarios. So you're not always hitting the same key all the time. So we created some numbers, the little loops in them. That's a fun element. Started using gradients. Uh, for photography, we found pictures of people holding things, erased them, and then hand drew what they were holding back in to get that human touch. Again, did the hand-drawn element. Yes, Gertrude is growing her pot brownie business. It was fun drawing those pot brownies back in there. These are ads for uh, a specific audience that we're selling to. Part of our go-to-market strategy is to sell through partners or marketing agencies, which then reach our direct consumer. So these are ads directed towards them. Again, it has what to say. We've boiled it down into brand messaging and product messaging and very specific pain point, pain, uh, pain point messaging. You'll see the colors being used. You'll see the illustrative style being used. You'll see this, this concept of how to show digital ideas be used. Now we go to trade shows. You'll see how, again, these elements are coming into play. You don't always have to use the same color. You don't always have to use the same typeface in the same way. You can be very expressive with these hand-drawn elements any way you want. It allows for cohesion and not just consistency, so everything looks the same and people get bored. And in fact, there are so many elements that I haven't even considered yet that I want to stick around jump for a while just to see what they might be. On the left, you'll see a concept for listings when people search and in a map app, Apple or Google Maps, this is what comes up. This is a concept based on our new branding of what that looks like. The middle is reviews and standing out from the other reviews and the other results when you search for a local company. And social media management, that's the concept of, uh, of your content standing out in a feed. You show up in their feed, and with work, you know, they will show up at your door. That's, that's the message that we're trying to get across. This is an animation style. So now with the affordance of time, how can we take these elements, look at the filter again, and apply it to motion? So frame-by-frame -frame animation, it doesn't animate, sorry. But uh, it's a frame-by-frame -frame animation. It looks wiggly. It's all hand-drawn. Again, the photography mixed in with that hand-drawn element. 
we start to get something that looks like this. Now we look at the software. This is, this is the exciting part because we want that handoff to be seamless. So we've got really great designers on our a product team, and we've already been in communication with each other a lot in talking about new UI elements. And I understand it's not just UI, but this filter can affect, affect UX too, because the filter, which we'll talk about in a, in a minute here, should influence your product vision. Let me give you some numbers here. We ran an ad changing the photo alone for one week with the new branding implemented, with this new filter being implemented. We increased clicks by 112%, increased click-through rate by 76%. We increased the leads by 150%, decreased cost by 33%. Those are all numbers that make directors of marketing really happy and chief revenue officers really happy and investors really happy. It means money. We saved $315 just in one week, just with this one ad. Now, people have a lot bigger budgets. You can amplify that quite a bit. If you were to spend at $62 a lead on the left side to get 15 leads that we got through this new ad, we'd have to spend $315 more to do that. That is just a small sampling of what is to come and the fact that filters are important. Creating that cohesion is really important. It comes down to dollars. For our new landing pages, again, I, I said that if you have dissonance between an ad and a landing page, Google and Facebook pick up on that. They don't rank you as high. You don't get as much budget allocated towards that part of your campaign, and it'll, it'll weed itself out. So we launched these uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and we came in the next day and it had peaked at 55%. And over the weekend it waned a little bit, but stayed in the 40%. And since then it's, it's lowered still, but it is more than twice as high as what the old landing page was, which was 12% conversion. Again, you see that cohesion in what you are saying and how you are saying it, and you get results like this. And I'm excited to see more results like this and test out crazy ideas because it's about asking the question, does it belong? And not necessarily, does it appear the same? So product vision, how will we deliver? Again, we want to be a product-led company that delivers on its brand promise. How are we going to deliver that brand promise through product? Well, in line with the brand promise, this is our brand vision or uh, our product vision. Help local businesses easily connect and engage with customers in an authentic way. And each of those are really important because they, they narrow down the scope of who you're trying to build for, who you're trying to serve, who you're trying to talk to. Uh, the last part, in an authentic way, I think is pretty unique because again, we live in a world where we can smell inauthenticity from a mile away. It's not that hard to to, to see it. So in an authentic way, I think of that digitally. Well, let me, let me uh, backtrack a little bit. Think of ergonomics and physical products. Take a water bottle, for example, that has divots for your hands to go into. I grab that and I know exactly where I'm supposed to put my hands because there's intent behind the design. There's a purpose. 
and then you liken that to a product. How do you create digital ergonomics? For us, that could be, how do you communicate and connect with a customer in a way that isn't annoying, uh, in, uh, in a way that feels natural to their world? And guys, I don't have the answers right now. I'm just posing the question. That's something that we're figuring out. But our filter has helped us ask those questions. And I believe that we will find the answer as we problem solve together. Combine our product vision with our brand promise, with our big, hairy, audacious goal, our BHAG, and you get something like this. Create a billion interactions for local businesses by 2030. That's a big number. And the reason it's so big is because it's audacious. And the reason it's interactions is because it's measurable. I understand that interactions don't necessarily mean engagement. It doesn't necessarily mean an emotional connection. However, it is measurable, and we feel there is a correlation. And a goal is supposed to be measurable, and it's supposed to be audacious and big. And guys, this is exciting. I mean, for, especially for us at Jump, we're, we're, we are going to achieve this. And the only way that we will do it is through aligning ourselves and having that clear vision communicated uh, all across the company and people buying into it. What would keep us from achieving this? Well, yeah, marketing is pretty fast at, at coming up with new ideas and testing them out. Product, however, it takes more time. There are systems that have to be in place. There are engineering feats that have to be overcome. Um, so that's one obstacle. A lack of communication is an obvious obstacle if people just don't buy in because they don't know. So at Jump, this is how we have uh, tried to overcome these obstacles. We have a product committee. People from every team are on this product committee, from sales to marketing to CS to uh, product, engineering, everybody. We paper prototype together. We problem solve together. We do design sprints together. And then that information gets disseminated within groups. We have a human-to-human -human Slack channel. That could be different for you guys. I mean, that's very specific to us. But we have open channels of communication where we say, what does that mean for engineering? What does that mean for product design? What does it mean for CS and marketing? What does human to human mean? How can we create that authenticity that we're seeking to create? Over here, we have product and marketing sit together. In the past, marketing sat next to sales. It's an obvious handoff. The less obvious handoff is from product to marketing. But or marketing to, to product. But if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense to put the two groups together when we want that cohesion in the customer journey. Our visions are now aligned because we worked within the bounds that we set for each of them. And after it's all said and done, uh, I'll be going around and, and working with a lot of people to consult with each team how the, what this brand means for them taking this filter and saying, all right, CS, you have emails. What is our voice? What is our tone going to be in these emails? What are we going to say? 
all right, sales, what assets are you going to share with people in a call? What's your script going to look, uh, going to look like in product? I mean, obvi the obvious things are, yeah, okay, we want to make sure the type is the same and the colors are the same, but are there other ways that we can make it feel more human and, and more jump to, uh, to the end customer? So what about you guys? You come with your own challenges, your own companies, your own, your own filters. What does this mean for you? What if you're already well-established? In some companies I've worked at, it's been product-led from the beginning. And in fact, in fact uh, the creative team and marketing came after the product. At, at Jump, we've been pretty unique to basically redefine product and redefine our brand all at the same time. I know that's very unique. It doesn't happen for a lot of people. So maybe in our Q&A, our discussion, we can discuss some of the ways that this could apply to you. If you're new to a company and things are already set, what can you do? How can this apply to you? Go in and have a discovery phase for yourself. Ask these questions. What's the brand promise? How are we positioned? Uh, what is our filter? What are our brand personality traits? And if they aren't there, then maybe you could start the discussion to help create that filter. So in conclusion, branding is a belief system. And I believe that the way you do anything is the way you do everything. It is your attitude, your perspective. If you give half a heart on one team, you'll most likely give half a heart on another team. If you have leadership that isn't aligned, you will, we've talked about the, the effects. There is no shortage of people willing to give an opinion about who you are or to tell you who you are or to find you. So in order to create a belief system and have it be powerful, you need to create that filter, get everybody aligned, and that way you can have that cohesive customer journey that you seek. Thank you. A big thanks to Brian Collier for presenting, and again to Jump and STG Consulting for hosting the event. If you learned some things from Brian's talk, be sure to share it with your team, or share it on Twitter, and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these talks is a great way to support Product Hive. As always, be sure to check out all our upcoming events. You can find them by searching for Product Hive on meetup.com. And while you're there, go ahead and join the group so you always get the latest updates. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon, and we'll see you at one of our next events.